Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? On this episode of Big Drive Energy, a special Halloween episode for you brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, we've got some spooky golf stories to tell you. Whether it's our own issues on the golf course or actual golf courses being haunted, complete with an interview from my buddy, Chris Ingram, from Pasatiempo Golf Club. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome in to this edition of Big Drive Energy, our special spooky Halloween edition. I am your host, Spencer, at Big Drive Spence on Twitter, here with my brother and co-host, Big Drive Mitch, what's up, dude? How are you doing? Are you excited for Halloween? Are you excited for the weekend? I know you got to work, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I'm not a huge Halloween guy. I don't know, dude. It's weird. I've never really gone out and gone to parties. It's just kind of amateur hour, like going to Halloween parties. It's like it's like St. Paddy's Day, New Year's Eve, and Halloween. It's just where all the, the fucking college kids go out, act like idiots, um, not really my pace. I'm more of a, a chill guy that everybody else is um, just getting all fucking wasted at the bar, which I don't have a problem with. You do you. I mean, I do that too, but just not in that fashion. So kind of a different deal. But uh, yeah, we've got our superintendent's revenge tournament this uh, Saturday, which is always a good time. Um, Alan, our super gets to fuck with everybody and put stuff all over the golf course. And it's just a relaxed tournament. You know, it's nothing nothing super serious, even though I'm sure some of our, our members do take it seriously. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, I don't know. So this is the first year in my neighborhood and I still, I don't even know if I am going to be here on Halloween. Um, so I really don't know if I'm even going to give out candy or not. It's kind of a weird thing. Cause I don't want to be that dude in the neighborhood who just like turns off his lights 
but I also don't want to stare at like 250 little kids and like just give them a bunch of candy that they're ungrateful for. Like, I don't know. That's, is that, is that negative? Oh, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's a little sad. I, I think if you're out getting wasted, then you have a reason, but if you're just going to like stay home and turn your lights off, see, that's a big, no, I don't think I'm that's be big home. Scrooge energy there. I think, no, I think I'm going to be watching. That's what I'm saying is like, if I was home, I would do that but I think I'm going to be watching football at a buddy's house. So I don't, it's not that I, I'm not, I'm, I would never sit on my couch and turn off my lights and have my doorbell ring a million times and not answer. Like, that's why I kind of just want to not be home. But yeah. those, poor I don't little, know. those poor little kids though, bro. Think of the kids. Think of how much fucking candy they're going to get. That's not from my house. Like, I don't know. It. I probably should do it, but I just haven't. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird deal. So uh, overall, I'm fairly stoked for Halloween. Honestly, Thanksgiving and Christmas are my two favorite holidays by a mile. It's just the heart of football season. The weather's getting cooler. Uh, you know, college football, NFL football. I don't know. It's just, I can't, like you can't beat Thanksgiving like November, December are my favorite months of the year. So I am just really kind of looking past Halloween a little bit. Really looking forward to getting that Christmas music bumping. Michael Bublé's Christmas album, big shout out. He's my boy. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of chilling, man. You know, life's good. No complaints. What about you? So real quick then, is Halloween the most overlooked holiday in the adult world? Let's, let's go through it. Yeah, you got to think so. Like I, major holiday because... And it's also a giant pain in the ass for uh, any adult, really, if you have parents or anything, because you just it's so much work. You got to get kids decorations. You got to take them out trick or treating. You got to buy candy to give out to other kids. It just seems like it's not a fun day to have kids on. But then again, like you dress your kids up cute and you're like, oh, like I, I, I could see that, too. Like one year I was a sunflower when I was like three years old. And not to toot my own horn, but I think I was like the cutest little kid ever. So um, I, I'm sure our parents got a kick out of that. Not trying to, I'm trying to be into myself, but I think that might go down as the, the cutest Halloween picture of all time. So yeah, I get it from that standpoint, but just a big old pain in the ass logistically. You were a chunky little sunflower, weren't you? Oh yeah, dude. I, my cheeks were just protruding out of that sunflower, like fucking. It's probably did, a size I'm, too small. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They probably should have upgraded me, but you know, whatever. And my, I think my face is about as round as a sunflower is. So kind of, kind of a, a mirror image. I was like, holy shit. That's, that's wild. Is that a real sunflower? <laughs> is that a sunflower? Is he oh, fuck, the ground? You. fuck you. Um, so, how are, okay. Yeah. How are you doing, dude? Well, I was just going to say that's settled Halloween. Enough most, about me. A most overlooked uh, holiday. You agree? Uh, I would agree other than like, I would agree in the adult world. I think in the, in the ranks of like high school and eh, maybe call college for sure. College and just out of college and you're still in that partying stage. I think it's one of everybody's favorite holidays. I think people overlook uh, Thanksgiving more in the younger twenties age, you know, the early millennials, like Halloween's a big deal. Like for, yeah. Our well, age. Do you know what I just kind of realized? And I've been realizing this is becoming like an adult. And now I see why our parents were like this and everybody's parents are like this. Like when you're young, holidays are awesome. 
they're like the best thing ever. But once you get older, they're just more work than they are anything. Like there's so much more shit to do. You know what I mean? It's not just all the fun and games. It's like, you got to do all the decorations. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I'm single without kids. Like I'm as unattached as it comes and it still fucking stresses me out. Like I fuck, I, I love Christmas. I actually went to Hobby Lobby today, did some early Christmas shopping, got my tree, all got right. my, got some decorations. So, um, I'm ready to rock. I'm not, I am not going to decorate until after Thanksgiving though. Cause I think that's fucked up. You don't decorate for Christmas until Thanksgiving is over. And I could be wrong, but that's just how I feel. Great voice. That's just how I feel. No, I, that's, um, you're exactly right. And that may come up later on our podcast in a different segment. So, um, <laughs> So I'm good, man. I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm going to Chicago this weekend, a little Halloween weekend in Chicago. Um, going, going to a Bears 49ers game. Well, I will semi-reluctantly cheer for the 49ers. It would not be as reluctant if Kittle was playing, but he's still on IR. So um, maybe get to see the chance, uh, get the chance to see Trey Lance. Ooh, ooh, see that? Chance at Lance. Got the chance at Lance, but a couple of young QBs battling it out. I mean, yeah, maybe a Lance. It, it feels field. like they've feels like they've handcuffed Fields a little bit. Like he, what is he? The first or second game he threw it twelve times. Like that's really not a. That's like Tim Tebow numbers. So I don't know if they're ever going to give him more leash, or Matt Nagy's going to have to get fired in order to do that. But I digress. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna probably dress up for the game a little bit. I did get a 49ers beanie, so I'm gonna wear that. Um, I just love being the enemy. I think that's one of my favorite things and we've done it a ton. You know, we go to a different NFL stadium every single year and uh, this year's no different. We'll be down in Dallas playing a little golf even too here in a couple weeks, but uh, just being the enemy is fun. Like I don't, I couldn't care less who wins this shit show of a game. It may be like six to three by the end of it. Um, honestly, like these two quarterbacks are young and not great. And there's pretty good defenses and a lot of, uh, game wreckers on the defensive side. So should be a fun game as long as it's not five degrees, but I'm definitely packing, packing for the weather. We originally planned on golfing in Chicago and that, that was kind of a pipe dream. Cause you know, it's Halloween, but, uh, we're not doing that, not bringing the sticks. So. Um, all in all, a little better, a little more fun because we don't have to drag those through the airport and shit just to play a cold, shitty round of golf in, in Illinois. What, what's the weather look like in Chicago? Like, just for shits and giggles. Dude, I don't know. I haven't checked it. Let me, let me get on the. See, that's that's just – that's four on your part if we're going – we're not going to our February 4 segment. But that is one of the biggest things I do. Like, be a fucking adult. You need to know what weather you're walking into. Like, you leave tomorrow. Have you packed? Uh, no, I have not packed yet, actually. Okay, so I'd recommend checking the weather before you <laughs> go packing your fucking... Looks like your... it's It looks like it's raining right now. It's going to rain all day tomorrow. <laughs> 55 and 54, Saturday, Sunday. Nice, balmy 54. There you go. So you're welcome for making you check that because you'll be showing up in a fucking t-shirt freezing your balls off. Yeah, probably. I don't wear a t-shirt anywhere, down. Big hoodie guy. Big hoodie, Big hoodie guy. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, should we, should we get to it? Or are you done? Yeah, I think we're done here with this segment. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's an altitude joke. If anybody listens to altitude, that was, I just plugged them, but that was, that was a good joke. All right. So on this special Halloween episode, 
uh, we've got a couple different topics for you guys. We're going to start out with uh, some of the spooky things you do on the golf course. So if you play enough golf, you know that and you have these you have bad tendencies. You know that there's always some things that creep into your mind that you're like, oh, God, I really can't do this or this is not. Um, this is not ideal for my golf game. And it continues to happen again and again, because we're all not professionals, um, or legitimate PGA professionals, I should say, uh, PGA tour professionals, PGA tour professionals. Yes. I, I hate, by the way, I hate having to explain that to people. Um, like what I'm like, they're like, Oh, so you like tour. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on the, I'm on a, I'm a PGA professional. Like, and then I just preface it with not on TV, like not on TV. I just run a golf course. That's, that's what I do. But it is kind of embarrassing because people like think I'm famous, like right off the bat. And I'm like, my TikTok's probably more famous than my fucking. Career. Well, yeah, I think, I think the PGA of America needs to do something about that. Like not change their name necessarily, but when you, a, a PGA professional sounds a lot like a PGA tour professional. Yeah. You know, people can't really distinguish the difference. So I, I think the PGA of America needs to start calling their pros something else just so people can understand it's not even close to the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Running a golf course as a 27 year old washed up hack is not the same as a guy playing in the U S open on TV or the Ryder cup. Very. We're on two different levels there. Yeah. That's, that's a far cry from our, where our golf games stand. Right. So speaking of our golf games, let's get into some of the things we get scared about or that some of the things on the golf course where immediately like you get the scaries you just it just happens um why don't you start why don't you lead us off yeah so uh honestly one of my least favorite things that I do because directionally I don't miss it huge left or right like I I obviously do miss it but I I don't I don't normally have like a snap hook in the bag or like a, a huge slice in the bag and truth be told, I just don't swing hard enough to really create that much speed to, to get it that far offline. So I don't really have a directional issue, more of a contact issue. Like if I'm getting real deep here, any long iron, like when I catch a long iron thin, nothing makes me more sick than just like hitting a dick high five iron, like just kind of off a janky lie, you know, you don't feel great about it. And your natural tendency, at least for me, is to come up and out of it a little bit. Um, I kind of get stuck back on that, that right side and, uh, and fucking just hit a dick high laser and it makes me sick to my stomach. So that's ball striking wise. That's probably my least favorite tendency. Um, I don't really chunk it that often. If anything, I do catch it a little thin cause I'm, I'm hanging back on that right side and not rotating enough. So, uh, that, that is my least favorite, one of my least favorite things on the golf course that I do. Um, let's, let's hear your first one there, big shoots. So I think one of mine is I am quite directionally challenged. As you know, if you've ever played golf with me, I hit it pretty far right and sometimes fairly far left. And I think one of my biggest like annoyances or, or fears is on the first tee of a tournament when for some reason, like this, this applies to a lot of golfers in general, when you go out to the driving range, especially before a round, like you're free, you peer it you hit it pretty straight usually I don't hit it too wonky on the driving range like I remember this is kind of story time but the first time I ever played bear dance was in a college tournament a pgm tournament not an actual college event but we had 27 holes at bear dance and I went out on the range and they have one of those 
downhill driving ranges like into the abyss which if you haven't ever hit on one of those they're a freaking blast i don't like them dude i don't i don't like downhill driving ranges i don't like uphill driving ranges just give me a flat driving range i just like the idea of like when you hit it and it just like sails and and especially with all the trees in the background of bear dance it just goes forever but i was striping the ball in the driving range that whole day i'm a freshman i'm playing with a couple seniors i'm like oh i feel good about this Long story short, I think I shot like 110. I fucking shanked it around the whole bitch. And that's one course where you just can't do that. Like, you cannot do it. And I, maybe the I'm most. surprised your first one wasn't. Oh, are you? So just, you're saying shanking it. Like, I'm shanking it. Yes. That is, you can't say that word out loud when you play with me. I will yell at you. Um, but basically, on top of that, I, like, I mean, you, you slice it, but there's a difference between a slice and a shank. No, yeah, but my first one, just other than shanking it, which is just so obvious that I couldn't even make it my first one. Like when I go hit on the driving range and I hit like little baby cuts or even some like hooks and, I, and then I get on the first tee and it's somehow a fucking right, going right, staying right, blowing back towards me right slice. And that's when I'm just like, oh my, I just don't, I don't understand it. And this game will never understand this game. But I, I hate that. I go out on the range. I feel great. I'm hitting everything pretty straight or hitting little cuts. I'm like, okay, I'll play for a little cut. And then I blow it into the ninth fairway. And I'm like, ah, that just doesn't, shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. But it does. Yeah. No, that, that's pretty relevant. Um, not necessarily for my game, but, you know, everybody's different. Uh, and I, dude, occasionally I'll throw a shank out on the range. I, I don't remember the last time I've shanked one on the course. Uh, but occasionally I'll, I'll throw out a fucking hard hosel rocket on the range and just laugh it off. Um, but I know it creeps into your mind a little bit, even before you, you hit a single ball. So that's a, it's a mentally a tough place to be. Spencer's a fucking glass case of emotions on the golf course. You really never know what you're going to get with him. Um, one other thing that is super, super unsettling to me, like just scares the fuck out of me on the golf course is when, you're playing like super fast greens and you you just don't feel confident at all in how hard to hit it. Like, uh, so when I was playing the Coeur d'Alene resort, not a big deal. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they, they were rolling like a, a 13. They were just fucking rock hard, super fast. And I had like a, a 20 footer for par on the second hole, less than ideal, obviously. Um, and I hit it like 10 feet by and not even close. I was like, what the fuck? Like it just puts the fear of God in you. And then you end up leaving everything short the rest of the day because you're so that one putt at the beginning of the round on really fast screens that you hit so far by that you just can't, you just can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. Right. After you, you stroke it, it's immediately like, Oh God, hit a house, hit a house that, that yeah, you're just like, I can't believe I puked on myself like that, you know? And, before you hit it, you're not even really thinking about it. Like you're just focusing on, on your line and trying to hit it solid and all that. And then you're like, Holy shit. Like I need, it really makes you like keep your head on a swivel during the round. Like, okay, I I can't take these greens lightly because I know they can sneak up and, and bite me on the ass. And I did end up leaving like four or five footer down four or five putts that were like downhill short that day because after that second hole, I was just like, holy shit, like these greens are so fast. So I, I ended up 
not getting them to the hole a lot that day because of that. So that is one thing that scares the, the bejesus out of me on the golf course. Yeah, I feel that because I am not a good putter already. So when I start struggling on the greens, <laughs> I just turn into a big pouty mess and I just can't. You switch your grip a million times. You're, you're fucking VJ singing it out there. Like you go cross-handed, you go claw, you go, there's nothing off limits. Like, no, nothing's off the table when I'm on the flat surface. There's nothing. Did, did you not try putting left-handed for a period of time? I did. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that originated by, um, when we played golf in Iowa that one time and the putter was two ways and I couldn't putt to save my life. So I flipped around and I, so getting into golf here, which I normally don't do like deep golf mind, but I, I feel like it helped me because, I was, I'm right eye dominant. And so I feel like I could see more of the line just standing over the putt being left-handed. I had zero confidence in my stroke. Um, and I'd be anxious to see if I actually tested it out with legitimate putters, a legitimate course, um, just so I could practice putting green, how much better I would be left-handed or right-handed. It would probably be right-handed, but it's okay. Let's, it's not how much better I would be. It's how much, how less worse I would be. Um, but like, there you go. I, I just felt good about the line. Like I just felt good about seeing it. Um, and it, it just felt better to me, but the stroke, the stroke itself felt really uncomfortable. The, the idea that I, I just could see the line better, especially on like the five to six footers, which are knee knockers for me are, um, terrifying. Oh, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, my my third one is going to be more of a match play based deal. Um, we haven't really, we, I mean, we've talked about match play on the show, but this is match play specific. Basically, when you're getting given three, four footers all day by your opponent, you know, they're kind of being generous and and that's great and all. But then you get down to like 14 or 15 and all of a sudden there's fucking crickets like, they got their fucking jaw wired shut and you're like, I really got to hit this. Like I haven't made one all day. I haven't seen the ball go in the hole. Like I'm going to fucking miss this hundred percent. And that is kind of a strategic thing that multiple people, multiple tour pros have brought up is like, give them the, the marginal ones all day. And then when it really matters, make them put it. Cause that just throws you for a fucking loop. Like you stare at that three footer and you're like, Oh my God, I have no chance of making this. And it really does creep into your mind because you get the expectation built up of, Oh, this is going to be good. You know, like it, within reason, if you hit it seven, eight feet by, obviously it's not going to be given, but if you, if you got your distance control uh, pretty well dialed in, then you're like, I'm not going to hit this more than three feet by and that's going to be given. So I, I feel like I can really kind of make a run and then it gets down to fucking crunch time time to, hold on to your nuts and you got a fucking three footer you're standing over and you have no idea what it's going to do and where it's going to go and which way to hit it. And that, that is absolutely terrifying. It can put the the fear of God and anybody playing match play. And it comes down to mental fortitude, which as the days go on, my, my, my golf mentality and my mental strength just wanes drastically like uh, day by day, it's just getting worse and worse to the point where golf's just a, a real challenge all the way around for me. So, uh, yeah, overall. And if you notice this, this trend of more than anything, it's on the greens that gives you nightmares than it is ball striking, at least for us. And I think 
we're, we're decent enough golfers at that level where we've been in positions where we feel like we can really put a good round together and you just can't make shit. Like that's another thing that just absolutely blows. Um, it's not, I mean, it's, it's another thing you can put it on the list is just like, you feel like you keep hitting it the front nine, you hit a couple real close. You can't make either of them, whatever. And then you think if I hit one bad shot, I'm making bogey because I can't make anything right now. Like it's such a, a confidence killer that, uh, it, it's not as much ball striking for us as it is short game most days, but it all kind of depends, you know, what, what game we bring to the course and what swing we bring. Yeah. Well, I feel that because like you said, it is a strategy. Like if somebody gives me a couple of three footers anytime, I'm like, thank God. But then if they start not giving them to me later on, it not only makes me have to hit it and makes me nervous about that, but then I'm like pissed off because they're making me put it. So yeah. Cause it's, you build this expectation of like, okay, this is their line of like, what's good. What's not, you know? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well they're clearly fucking with me and I have to hit this now, which I'm angry about. And then it just turns into me missing the hole entirely from three feet. Well, and I'm not trying to dog Spencer here. Nobody, everybody knows I don't like to dog Spencer, but his reputation kind of precedes him on the putting green. So I think everybody that's played with him kind of knows you don't really, you, you need to see the first couple of knee knockers just to see how he's feeling before you start giving him. Cause if Spencer misses like a two or three footer on the first hole, it's fucking game over. Like you can just wrap it up right there. You got him in a pretzel. And yeah, he's, I, he's cooked. Like if I'm playing with somebody that's like the first couple, like the first couple of shots, like if I hit a good drive and then I, I fellatio wedge in there and they're like, how's this guy not on like, not on tour, but like, how's this guy not, how do you put, why don't you play in more tournaments, blah, blah, blah. And then they see me three putt from six feet for birdie and make bogey. And they're like, ah, I get it. That was that makes perfect sense. Quick explanation. Yeah, exactly. Just watch, watch me putt. And that, I mean, putting's hard anyway. So, you know, it's uh, it's just a, a real bitch. Do you have uh, one last one for you, Spence? Yeah, so my last one would have to be just the overall concept of chipping after a chip um, again. <laughs> but um, more importantly, when you, like, are trying to hit a higher flop shot, over like a bunker and then you just absolutely go straight underneath the ball and just just fucking dump yeah, it right in the bunker exactly because then not only like i try to tell myself just hit it on the green two putt at worst you're taking three from here but then sometimes it turns into flub into the bunker thin over the green chip on again i mean i'm not that bad but so i mean it can turn into that <laughs> it can turn into that not saying a lot I'm of shit not. enters your mind at that point like you, you go from like, you get it on the green and you two putt at most, you're making a bogey till you hit it in the bunker. You're like, fuck, I could make triple like, or quad, you know, depending on how confident you feel in a bunker. So yeah, I, I chipping is one of my strong suits, so I can't quite relate. And I think I have a little bit more self-control than Spencer when it comes to taking my medicine, like Spencer plays fucking hero ball out there all the time. He's there's not a shot that he sees that he doesn't try to pull off. Um, I'm a little bit more like, okay, get it, you know, lay it up, try to wedge it close, make par, or worse, make bogey. He's like, I'm fucking cutting this thing 60 yards around the street with the ball above my feet with a long iron in my hand. I'm like, okay, dude, go for it. Um, but th- laying, that's laying up. Never heard of her. 
Ah, chipping out. Chipping out. Also, never heard of her either. Yeah, I, I I respect that. I really do. It's just not my game. I'm not equipped to to problem solve on the golf course. I try to just put myself in the least worst positions possible, so I don't have to to cover my ass because that's just not my game. And everybody's game is a little different. Like whenever, so I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but it's actually funny when Spencer and I play a scramble together because he's so comfortable. Like he's more comfortable sixty yards, like kind of in got to go over a tree, whatever out of the rough than he is like a hundred yards out in the fairway, just because he's so much more used to that shot. Not a knock kind of it, but you know what I mean? Like you, you just drive it a little more sporadically, but you're, you hit it further. So I'm like, I'd rather have mine 30 yards back in the fairway. And you're like, I, I like this one. We're closer. And I, I don't want to go big brain here, but everybody, if you know any golf statistics or factoids, technically all things equal, the closer you are to the hole, the better chance you have of getting the, the ball close on the next shot, like a 50 yard shot versus a hundred yard shot. But Spencer's comfortable, like lacing it in a gap, hitting it over trees, this and that he's got more different shots in the bag than I do. I'm like, this is kind of what I got. And this is what I'm pretty much limited to. So we, we actually struggle a little bit picking balls on scrambles because our games are just so different. Well, we don't really particularly like each other's balls. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's probably a, a good thing. I, would I like my own uh, balls, and you like your own balls. I mean, that's just yeah. Like I like where ball. I hit, I like where I hit them. I feel like that's a normal thing. Um, pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard thing. So another thing we got for you guys for this Halloween episode, we're going to move on to is we did a little research, and we are looking into. You know, you're watching all the movies right now. You're watching the Halloweens and the um, Mike Myers. That's Halloween probably, right? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, real quick, just real quick. I think anybody that is like loves being scared is a full-blown psychopath. Like there's enough scary shit in life that that doesn't jump out and like fucking attack you. Like death, taxes, fucking you know, losing people in your life. I don't need to be like scared by somebody with a mask, like fuck scary movies. And I know I don't want to pick on a a certain gender here, but I know females are very into scary movies and I think they're all fucking crazy. Like I, like what, what is fun about getting scared? I, I, I woke up with a nightmare the other night and I thought somebody was like breaking into my house and I live alone. You know, it's kind of scary. I was like fucking freaking out. I was like, why do I need to watch a scary movie? I have nightmares anyway. (laughs) <laughs> I literally watch nothing but comedies and sports and I have nightmares. Like, where does this come from? Just probably my mind is all fucked up, but that's a whole different topic to talk to my therapist about. Um, it's okay. But yeah, I, okay. I, yeah, totally. I agree. Uh, but yeah, scary movies are just such a fucked up thing, man. Like around every October, like September, October, I start like right when I turn on the TV, I kind of want eye it a little bit just in case there's like a commercial for a scary movie going on. Cause there's nothing worse than like the first thing you see when you turn on the TV is a scary movie. You're like, Holy fuck. Like kind of jump out of your shorts a little bit. So yeah, I, I think that anybody that willingly enjoys being scared needs to get their head checked out. So anybody that enjoys willingly being scared needs to get their head checked out. But what about the people that willingly want to win money on DraftKings Sportsbook, America's They're top smart. sportsbook app. They're smart. 
And if DraftKings is something that you haven't tried yet, you got to get on it right now. So the next couple of weeks, DraftKings is offering you $200 in free bets. If you place a $5 bet, that's it. Just one Abraham Lincoln on any NFL team to win their game. So we got a couple of huge spreads this week. The Chiefs are, I think, a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, The Buffalo Bills are a huge favorite. Uh, I doubt both of them lose this week. So as long as you maybe just take one of those teams for five bucks, you're going to win $200 in free bets, which can carry you through the end of football season. DraftKings Sportsbook also now offers same game parlays, which are a blast. You don't have to watch multiple games to put bets together. You can just sit there on your couch with a bowl of chips and a couple of Breck Celsius or Breckenridge brews and watch one game and have five different bets on them and it multiplies the payouts. So make sure you get on that, turn that same game parlay switch over to on and get your bets going because first touchdowns, anytime touchdowns in NFL games, we've got um, 10 weeks of NFL football left. The season's not yet half over. So make sure you jump in on DraftKings, use that promo code DNVR and you're able to get $200 for a $5 bet if it hits. So make sure you take a big favorite, big money line favorite. You can do it. It DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw money at your convenience. So you got a credit card bill to pay. You got some money in your DraftKings, take it out. It's in your bank. You pay that credit card off. So download the sports DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use the promo code DNVR and bet $5 on any NFL team and win $200 in free bets. If they win promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, now to our next topic. So we did a little research here, and I found way more than I thought I was going to find. And basically what this is, is we're going we're gonna to discuss a list. Um, we did our own research. We looked at a few articles of different golf courses around North America that are supposedly haunted. Now, first of all, in order to get into this, you got to believe in ghosts, which I don't know how you don't, to be honest, you know, I don't dude. That's like, there, there's shit around us that we don't know that I'm fully confident in. Now there's a show like ghost hunters, like overplay the shit out of a lot of things because it's on. Okay. Yes. hundred percent, but there's definitely been times in my life where I'm like, yo, I'm not the only one here physically or spiritually, if you will. You've got some big tinfoil hat energy right now, dude. I'm not, I'm not vibing on it. Like I, and maybe it's just me like living alone and not wanting to um, do like even think about it, but I don't like to think that there's, anybody here with me like I said I had nightmares the other night that were pretty insane I woke up and I was like somebody trying to break in like so I I I don't need any other physical human beings here or any spirits here so I just kind of like put that thought out of my mind I just am not like even on the the thought process of of believing there's a ghost because I just don't want to if that's I don't know what that makes me if that makes me soft like four ply, but I just not, not a fan. No, we all have, I mean, we all have different beliefs, you know, it's, there's, 
there's all sorts of things going on in the world that you can choose to believe or choose not to believe, but that's the beauty of life. You, you have the opportunity to uh, make something out of nothing or make nothing out of something. So it, uh, it's, it's just a true, 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 um, you know, whatever phenomenon phenomenon we all, we all possess, but either way. So here are some golf courses for you guys that if you want to go check them out, I, I recommend you do it. Just make sure you let us know that you check them out. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it may be. Um, but so the first one that I found in a few different articles and stories from uh, these different sources is City Park. And at first I thought, oh, shit, City Park in Denver. But it's not, unfortunately, not we weren't that lucky. It's City Park in New Orleans, Louisiana. And according to some locals, um, you know, maybe some legends, some some uh, wives tales, if you will. In the 1960s, a man shot and killed a woman finishing around a golf on the 18th hole. So sometimes I wish that would happen to me, maybe um, hypothetically. Uh, but so and since then, many golfers have supposedly heard the sound of a gunshot and a chilling woman scream. And allegedly, some golfers have gone as far as to call 911 because of these and report their experience. Um, historical evidence of this murder has yet to be found, but these city park hauntings continue to surface. And apparently, people have called 911, so they're pretty fucking scared. Well, okay, to be fair, if you're downtown New Orleans, there's. <laughs> I'm not trying to sound morbid here, but there's a good chance you could hear a gun, an actual gunshot and a woman screaming. I don't know if it has to be a ghost or not. Um, it's it's a violent city, dude. I went on a ghost tour in New Orleans, and that it. I mean, I know they can trick it out, but dude, it was it had me thinking. It had me thinking for sure. But that's the thing too with ghosts is when you want to see something, you're you're gonna see it. Like when I went up to the Stanley Hotel in middle school or whatever on a field trip. Um, there was a legend that there was a bunch of homeless people that had died in the bottom of the concert hall because they, uh, they froze to death down there. And when I walked down there, I started like seeing shit and I was like this, you know, it definitely, I mean, it makes you wonder, but it also is like such a mind game. Um, but yeah, down in new Orleans, that's pretty insane. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I really wouldn't. Yeah, it, it's a it's a creepy town, I, and it you know the guns- yeah all the witches and shit like all the the mumbo gumbo jumbo I don't know what what <laughs> the fuck goes on down there just the body gumbo is like, the is the soup you eat yeah 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 that's gumbo, but that's gumbo. also for that's also based out of Louisiana so it it that Louisiana kind of creeps me out like I've never even been there but I just don't even know if I want to go there like it just I mean I know there's some really cool parts of it but I just not for me. Not my cup of tea there. Not my <laughs> cup of gumbo. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I so, do like gumbo though. I fucking, do. I, I fuck heavy with seafood. All right. So the next course is Aetna Springs in Pope Valley, California. It says while currently closed, the Aetna Springs golf course is the final resting place of eight 16th century, 16th century monks believed to be tortured to death by rival Spaniards, these monks wander the golf course in translucent white, white robes and shaven heads. And there's a picture here, pretty shocking picture, you know, pictures can be doctored. I'm not, I've been on the internet enough to know. Um, a doctor snapped this photo of the monks and it says perhaps like the lack of golfers since the course is currently closed. 
allow more ghost activity. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people going around. So I think ghosts, even though they do scare people, I think they try to be in their own, in their own world. So, um, Oh, to- yeah, that, that's, that's scary shit. Um, I would not be a huge fan, but also what is it? When is the picture from the 1960s? 1963. So yeah. So there's probably listen. just a fucking smudge on the lens and it looked like a, a dude walking around the golf course, but who knows, you know, I don't, I don't know the legit legitimacy of cameras um, back then. I think our mom was six at the time. So I don't think technology was, was too at its, at its height um, in the sixties, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not rejecting any of this. And if I am, it's just kind of subconscious. Like I don't want to believe it. So I'm going to say it's fake. <laughs> Haters going to say it's fake. Um, Haters say it's fake. Next one we've got Montgomery National in Montgomery, Minnesota. Uh, it says tucked away under a large cottonwood tree near the first hole of Montgomery National are two gravestones of the original settlers of the property. One of them supposedly strolls the course in his hat and overalls. His apparition is seen by the golfers in the early morning light. And additionally, one of the golf club's deceased founders is said to still be checking in on the golf course. His pale face is often seen peering in the window of the, yeah. of the pro shop, you know? Well, well, I don't, I mean, one thing that I, okay. So I'm going to kind of contradict myself, but like, if there's bad ghosts, I think there's also like nice ghosts. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think all ghosts are evil. Like, what if you, you randomly, your ball, you think it's out of bounds and you end up, you turn the corner and you end up, it's in the fairway, you know, maybe a ghost is giving you a little hand there. So um, I choose to believe in positive ghosts and it doesn't sound like they died violently. They were just buried there. You know, maybe they lived a great life on a beautiful piece of property in the Midwest, no complaints, nothing violent. And they just are, are fans of the game just out there watching, watching some golf. You know, they love I, golf that much that they're just still there after they're dead. You know, that's, that's I, ch- I choose to point. believe that. The very Thank good you. Point. Thank you. All Thank right. you. Um, the last one we'll talk about is the, the garrison garrison, New York. So this one is scary a little bit because it's located in the same Valley as the legend of sleepy hollow. So it's straight up already unnerving. Um, there's a 19th century graveyard that overlooks the 14th green. Um, golfers have reported a ton of strange happening on the course and there's woods around there. So not my, not my idea of place that I would go and play a twilighter. Um, I'd be like, yeah, a, I'd like to play a midday round there maybe, but a twilight. Well, dude, in that, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, is when you're on a golf course, you're like so alone that it makes everything almost feel creepier like you and I have driven around um, out at Spring Valley, like when it's near dark or after dark, and it's just so quiet. Like you feel like something's got to be around you. Like it, it is kind of a creepy place to be. So you definitely wouldn't wouldn't find me there. Um, like you said, playing a twilight round, um, strolling in at sunset or after sunset. I'd make sure I get in by two, three o'clock and fucking fight those spirits away with some vodka. <laughs> there you go. All right, a couple of the other courses these articles mention. Are- well, I, I think real quick, I think Lincoln Park is worth mentioning out in San Francisco. Like, yeah, so Lincoln Park was built on a cemetery. Um, they said that they relocated the cemetery in 1909, but the 18th hole 
is built on an un, on the top of the unremoved portion of the old Golden Gate Cemetery, home to over 1,000 corpses. So golfers have been known to report golf balls vanishing or struck from the air by mysterious forces. Dude, and, and more... <laughs> it is called the water. That's, so that's called six thousand RPMs of forty-five degree right spin, slicing the fuck out of it. But I honestly like when we were out in San Francisco. Uh, our buddy Will Manning offered. He was like, "We can play a few different places, you know." And Lincoln Park, we could have gone and played a, nine, a little nine-hole action out there. But the location of that golf course—it's just like a little municipal course. But that location is literally insane. Like it is on the edge of the property. Like nothing separates you and the Golden Gate Bridge. Like the views from that course are absolutely unbelievable. So that's why I wanted to mention it because we almost played there. First of all, not a bit. What it's not. It really isn't even a big deal. But the views from that place are fucking insane. Like all time good for a, a little muni golf course. I don't think you can really go wrong other than if the course is haunted then that's a whole different story yeah then it's a whole different set of scaries and the last one we're going to get into which we're going to bring a special guest on mr chris ingram currently one of the pros here is pasa tiempo in santa cruz california so we're going to hand it over to our interview with chris he's going to tell us more about pasa tiempo and his personal stories of him and his staff that work there and some of the insane mysteries of pasa tiempo all right, so now we bring on my good friend, guy I went to college with at UCCS, Chris Ingram. He is currently the first assistant professional at Pasta Tiempo, which is the last course we were going to talk about, um, discussing all the, the haunted golf courses. And I was talking to Chris a little bit on Instagram today. I slid into his DMs, and he had some good stuff. So I was like, hey, man, you got to hop on and tell us all about it. So first of all, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks. For having me, I appreciate you. Uh, you thinking of Pasta Tiempo during these haunted times? <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, so why don't you go ahead and give our, our audience a little insight into some of the things that have happened at Pasta Tiempo? I was reading something about. Let me get this name correct here. Um, uh, Alistair McKenzie. So the yes. original designer. Um, one of his crown jewels was Pasta Tiempo. So, um, what yes. can you tell me about him? And then just the the. Uh, the hauntings going around around your facility there. So actually a lot of history with Alistair. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Augusta national. Um, and then there's another golf course, um, out in the next to Pebble beach, Cypress point. Um, so those were kind of his last three. He went Cypress point, Post Tampa, Augusta national, and then he died. Um, but he grew up in Scotland, traveled the whole world and he's seen a lot, um, lived out here. Um, but as, as far as McKenzie and kind of the, the spooky things that go on out here, his house, he lived on the, the, was it sixth fairway out here? Never seen a, a window open in that house. I don't know if anybody still lives there, but it's a little spooky. Um, and then a person that many people don't know of in the Posse Tampo and honestly, the, um, Augusta national history is Marin Hollins, the lady that kind of facilitated the whole thing and introduced Bobby Jones and uh, McKenzie to each other, which is how Augusta came about. But she actually has a house up on the top of our property, which is our wedding venue. Um, and we've recently, and this has come to my attention actually pretty recently in the last month or two, we've had two dishwashers quit um, because once the lights go down, they don't like being in there at all. They freak out in there. They hear uh, 
the sinks turn on, doors open, doors close, doors get unlocked. They've had seen some knives move around that they didn't leave there. So we've had a couple restaurant people actually quit. God, Jesus, uh, that's wild. Yeah. I, I don't fuck with that shit, man. I'd have been out too. <laughs> Spooky. And also, so our, our uh, head food and beverage um, personnel who works up there, who actually puts on all the weddings, she won't work there anymore by herself. So once the last person leaves, she's out. She says she hears her name all the time. She hears hello. Um, she's the one that told me she was in the restroom and the stall door next to her opened up. Nobody was in there. So she won't, she won't work up there anymore, but that building's probably been here for a hundred years, maybe. And there's yeah. been hundreds of people that have stayed there. That's wild, man. I, uh, I don't know. Like I I'm pretty big into this when I was talking with Mitch earlier, we, he's, he's not, but he's more of the not because he doesn't want to be scared. I, I, I am scared and I definitely believe in stuff like right. that. Like that doesn't, uh, doesn't sit well, well with me. So my, my favorite story that I actually just learned of this past month, um, which I don't know if it's necessarily spooky or not, but um, this land was purchased from some privateers, which is another way of saying pirate. You're just white. Um, so he actually owned this land. I forget what his name was, um, but he named this property, this Carbonara Hill or, or something. Um, he was a pirate and he allegedly buried all of his gold under the 16th fairway out here. So there's a high point in the fairway that he used to have a house on and he supposedly buried his gold. Hasn't been found but I'm hoping when we restore the course in two years, that so we'll dig it up. Yeah, absolutely. You got to stay around for that, bro. You got to be like, Hey, that 16th fairway. I think we should flatten that out a little bit, under there. get a bulldozer under there. And then you can all dig just it up. retire. Dig it up. We'll all retire. Yeah. General manager said I could have 1%. So I'll take it. Hey, absolutely, you know, man. That who knows 1% of 1% of anything's better than zero. So get Bitcoin. That, yeah, exactly. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, we really appreciate you hopping on. Um, that's some cool stuff. Like once I started researching, like there's a lot of courses just around the United States that have crazy stuff like that. And just like people dying, people getting shot on the holes, like stuff like that. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is a, yeah. There was a duel at uh, SF club in the middle of San Francisco. Um, I think there was actually one of the last duels that took place in the United States that actually happened on one of those fairways. Um, and then I think I brought this up during our Instagram message, but uh, we, we did have somebody get killed on our eighth green. Um, somebody was teeing off on seven and hit a little low snap hook, caught him right in the head. He died. That was on a Sunday. And I hear he still haunts the place. Oh, yeah, I would, too. I'd be like, yo, I, I died here. This is my golf course now. <laughs> of course, you planted trees to protect that green now. So, oh, OK, there you go. Yeah, the, the low snap hook will get you, man. It gets me a lot. <laughs> yeah, that'll get you. Just hope it doesn't hit you. That's awesome, brother. Well, appreciate you joining us. And once again, um, Pasta Tiempo Golf Club, if you ever get the chance to go out to California, uh, play it. I want to play it. I know I need to get out to California. I've got a few trips planned, but I'm all going west. I was telling Will that earlier this morning, or east, excuse me. So I need to get out there and uh, play some California golf, especially uh, this winter when we get snow. So come visit. And anybody wants to come visit, come look us up and uh, we'll be happy to have you. Absolutely. We appreciate that, Chris. Take care, man. Thank you. That was some awesome stuff from Chris. Um, pretty crazy to hear it from somebody that actually works there. Uh, right when I saw that this kind of popped up, I was like, dude, I got to hit him up. Uh, so thanks to Chris for joining us. We appreciate you, brother. Um, before we finish up this pod, we're going to get into our segment of Fairway or Four, which we do every week now. 
We basically take some topics from the world, from golf, whatever we want to choose. And we ask the audience and ask each other if this is fairway or four. So Mitchell, do you want to start? Yeah. Uh, there's quite a few things on the, the sports table this week. You know, it's MLBs happening, NFL all around the world, blah, blah, blah. But so Tom Brady through his 600th career uh, touchdown pass, first to ever throw, first quarterback to ever throw 600 career touchdowns in the NFL, huge milestone. And uh, Mike Evans is, who knows what's going on in his head, just fucking out to lunch, as Ryan Whitney would say, uh, just completely out to lunch, has no idea what's going on, hands the football to a fan in the front row. And it is estimated that that football is worth at least half a million dollars, if not more than that. Um, and it, the value will probably go up as time goes on. But the athletic trainer then walks over. So that was the first fuck up, Mike Evans. I mean, that was the real, real fuck up. But then uh, one of the trainers from Tampa Bay walks over to the, the guy in the stands that got the football. And he kind of just like coaxes it. Uh, he doesn't coax it out of his hands, but he's like, Hey man, we'll make it right. And he, and the dude hands him back the football. Um, come to find out, like I said, that ball's worth an asinine amount of money. And it's actually kind of a whole legal thing. Like, is that ball actually in his possession? Is that ball now the fans? Is that ball still the NFLs? Do they have, I don't know if they have a, uh, any of the boilerplate shit on the back of the ticket that says, um, anything that's given to you by the, a player is now your possession, blah, blah, blah. If, the, if not, they may want to add that going forward. But long story short, if you were the guy that was handed that ball, would you give it back? Fairway or four? Uh, it's, a, it's a fairway. I would give it back right away. Um, I would just know that they would take care of me. I mean, part of me would want to keep keep it, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, no matter what, they're going to hunt you down um, and get it anyways. Um, but I think I would probably give it back right away. But the setup he got for it, especially like a Bitcoin. Well, got, but this was after the fact, like they literally, yeah, you know, like in, they're initially. Make, like, but you really trust an NFL franchise to make shit right with somebody. I don't trust an NFL like, franchise. I trust Tom Brady. I don't think I've ever said that. Well, Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about football here. We're talking about just human being wise, but yeah, I mean, the fact that the Bitcoin thing, I was going to say he, he was later given quote unquote, he was given a Bitcoin, like who knows if that's actually happened yet or not, but that's what worth 60, 60 grand right now. So that's a good chunk of change. Don't get me wrong, but that ball is worth at least half a million dollars at least probably closer to a million or more. So I don't know, bro. That's, that's a tough call. Like once that thing is in your possession, how can somebody legally say it's not, you know, it, it was handed on it. He didn't, he didn't run on the field, grab it from Mike Evans clutches, like stealing. It was handed to him on a silver platter. Like here's a half a million dollar gift basically. Like, so I don't know. That's a, I don't know if it makes me sound greedy or not. Cause then like, say the NFL and I've heard a lot of different scenarios and I'm probably getting a little too in depth with it, 
But if the NFL tries to come after him or the Bucks do, they just look like giant assholes. It's a PR like nightmare for them because they don't want to deal with that shit. Like why, you know, it, it's, it's Mike Evans fault. And it could even be Tom Brady's fault a little bit that he didn't even mention at all before the game. Um, that, yo guys, I could set a, uh, record here. You know, it, it's, it's a mile, a huge milestone. So don't go giving the fucking ball away like Mike Evans did. So, uh, that, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one for me. That's, I don't know. Yeah. We were in the crowd when Peyton threw number five Oh nine, which is a record setter at that point. And like, they kept it away from him, but they all knew like Welker Sanders <laughs> DT who caught it. They knew that they shouldn't, that ball, that ball was very special, especially at the time. Now it's just 91 behind the, the best quarterback ever. So, oh, that hurt coming out. All right. <laughs> Mo- moving on to my fairway four, which you alluded to earlier, uh, decorating bef- before Christmas, before Thanksgiving. Um, is that fairway or four? That's four for me. I'm not, I, I like to keep things in sequential order. I, I don't like to do things out of order. I don't necessarily decorate for Halloween because I'm just not in a spooky kind of mood. No, I'm saying Thanksgiving. Know. Well, yes. Okay, before Thanksgiving, um, I don't know. There's kind of a gray area there. Like maybe, I I, I guess I we've just never done it as a family, but I can't imagine like sitting around Thanksgiving dinner and the house is like covered in Santa shit, you know? I, I just don't, I, I think you should respect the order of the calendar and it's holidays. Um, and I just, yeah, that's a, that's a big four for me. I did. I'm not never going to do it. And if you want to tie in leaving your Christmas lights up for a month after that's a big four for me also. Um, I give it till like the day after new year's and then they got to be down. They just got to be gone. You know, it's quit dragging the shit out. Cause and I, I don't want to prolong this here, but there's nothing like more exciting than the, the hype around Christmas, but like Christmas day. And then like the evening of Christmas day, it just gets so sad. So quick. Like you're like, Holy shit, 365 days till Christmas. Like, you know, just, you kind of want to get it over with. Like, I don't want to stare at Christmas shit for a month and a half after Christmas. It just, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I feel that I'm I'm in the same boat. That's why that's why it's one of my topics. All right, what is your final topic this week for fairway or four? Um, I'm gonna go to a little baseball here. So our grandpa was a, a big fan of the the Atlanta Braves, and they look really good this year. I do like them a lot, but the Astros just I don't know, dude. I I don't have a good feeling like the Braves haven't been here in so long. Uh, but basically, can the Braves pull off what is would I mean even if it's not an upset betting wise which I think it is I haven't really checked the lines because betting baseball is pretty fucking boring in my opinion um but do you think that the Braves can kind of pull off the upset of, of bringing down the big villainous Astros like I I really hope they can but I don't know I think this is four right now unfortunately I I think the Astros, I think once Charlie Morton went down, I think that really hurt the Braves' chances because he was going to get a chance to pitch probably at least two, maybe three times in the series, and he was clearly dominant, even on a broken leg. Um, but I think the Astros winning game two, I, I, I kind of don't have much hope for the Braves anymore. I think they needed to win both of them at home to have a legitimate chance to win it in six or seven. 
Well, no, the I mean the first two were in Houston, right? So it's one one. I think they were in, in Houston. No, they were in Houston. Oh, well, fucking A. Well, maybe coming back home. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Uh, okay, I'll say I'll say that's fairway then. I think if they come home for three straight games, if they can win two of the three and have a chance to win the World Series in the last two games, I think they're in good shape. So we're going to go fairway. Fairway on the Braves. Okay. World Series. That home field advantage means something. Shout out Grandpa up there in heaven. Hope he's watching the Braves. Um, my last one is going to be – uh, wearing basketball shorts on the golf course. So last week, and real quick, last week um, from the va- fan vote, uh, we got going out of your way to talk shit about your friends' sports teams when yours isn't any better. It's fairway. So people love the shit-talking game. We got more votes for fairway. Um, our first one to get 100% of the votes wasn't quite that much voted on, that well represented, but wearing random jerseys to a sporting event of which that team isn't playing for 100%. Uh, we feel the same way. Um, not warming up before a round of golf and hitting the bar was fairway 73%. So people are on board with that. And then mixing seltzer with hard alcohol, kind of shocking, but 50-50. Straight up middle. Yeah, some people some people can't handle the gas, dude. It, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> All right. So my last one, like I said, is wearing basketball shorts on the golf course. Now, last a couple weeks ago, we talked about wearing hoodies on the golf course, which got a lot of fairway. I think it's fairway, but I don't know, dude. I just, I'm, I'm a little smug when it comes to golf, not completely smug, but yeah, I just do the basketball. Yeah. You draw the line at basketball shorts, bro. Like a guy wore basketball shorts in the Valley today and it was like 30 degrees. Not only was it cold, but like an idiot. Shout out Adam Mares, our, our DNVR uh, Nuggets guy. Cause he, he fucking loves to wear basketball shorts on the golf course, like a complete lunatic. Um, yeah, that's a, a four for me, dog. I'm not, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Like if you can't even find a pair of, we see plenty of cargo shorts, even, I don't know. I, I don't love jeans, but jeans or pants at least. Uh, but just like athletic wear, that's not golf. Like I, uh, yeah, not, not a huge, huge proponent of that. So I definitely am a four there. All right. I love it. Well, that's it for us guys for this week and big drive energy. Please make sure you follow us on Twitter at DNBR underscore golf, follow our TikTok at big drive energy that has changed. So make sure you follow us on there at big drive energy and find out what not to do on the golf course. Also, if you enjoy our pod, give us a rating um, five stars, one star. You think we suck. Uh, you listen to one episode and we're terrible. Give us a rating. Uh, I think it still helps us uh, kind of grow and learn how we can be better. So make sure you give us a rating, like, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, for us this week, we will talk to you next week. Everybody have a great Halloween weekend. Enjoy. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. That's a very short list, but enjoy the Halloween weekend. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Mm-hmm.